Hello, welcome to the Sharp Angles podcast. I am Dan Pizzuta, joined here by Rich Rebar and TA. Guys, here we go. Uh, training camp uh, in full swing uh, as we are recording this on a Thursday morning. There is apparently a football game tonight. Kind of. Um, yeah, kind of. <laughs> a, football, a football game in quotes. Well, uh, air quotes. Well, the football. Eh. I mean, like we're going to get what, like 50 Ben DiNucci snaps. So I'm not totally sure how much we're going to qualify this as football, but. Uh, oh, there's so DFS it's... tonight, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> you ready for some Rico Daddle touches? Oh, <laughs> seek help. Um, <laughs> well, you know, what's it... funny, like every year I'm so excited for the first game and it's just like five minutes in, you're like, this is awful, but you'll watch it anyway. Right. Just for the hell of it. I mean, so people watch like it. the XFL and stuff. It's like the same. Oh, yeah. yeah, so over <laughs> under snaps we're watching of the Hall of Fame game tonight. I'll watch the first quarter for sure. Yeah, I'll watch uh, a little bit of it. Well, here's I'm going to watch like, Suicide Squad later, though. I'm going to watch that tonight. <laughs> What's funny is uh, <laughs> I think there's like, they said like 17 Cowboys are being held back. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like Dak and the whole line. It's, but then the so line went getting ready to, for the regular season then. Well, you know what's funny? <laughs> yeah, right. What's funny is the the line went to like Pittsburgh minus two. And I saw people tweeting about it. And like, why does it matter? Like these guys don't play anyway. Why would that matter in terms of the, the point spread in a preseason game the over under 32? It's just absurd. So um, yeah, it's an over under. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, yeah, I, uh, I, I will say what I, what I did miss last year without, you know, the, all the, the preseason games is everybody, you know, sitting around to Twitter on like a, a Friday night, uh, clipping and, and gifting random preseason plays and that's like all a twitter feed is on a on a preseason friday uh so i love I guess, those yeah so so we're gonna be getting those uh you know highlighting guys that you know we're really excited about in the moment and then uh they play four snaps uh for the actual regular season uh it's it's a great time to uh to be 11 football um probably no uh, all 22 though right for people uh, yeah man it's i yeah thanks nfl There's, yeah, the game pass is like, all right, what if in the beginning of August, right when people are getting ready, we just completely take away game pass? Um, and also, like, even if you look at, like, the condensed and, and the game and the full game broadcast right now, there's there's no plays to, like, search. It's it's completely useless at the moment. Um, so people who rely on that, like, there's, there's a film clip in, like, everything I write. So um, I've been, like, digging through archives of videos i have saved on my computer hoping there was something relevant um so yeah that that's that's gonna be fun um so hopefully that comes up soon because that uh, helps a lot of people talk about football um but as i'm saying it's uh you know a good time to be uh to be a football fan as we get there probably unless you're a fan of the indianapolis colts uh who if you know we talked about them a couple episodes ago we weren't very high on them and uh They've gotten worse uh, in that time. So Carson Wentz uh, comes down with uh, a foot injury that apparently he's had since high school and, you know, re-injured it. So he is out. Uh, originally, they were going to, you know, play the, the wait and see game, the, the rest and rehab, which never works. That ends in surgery anyway. Um, so they elected to go with the surgery the next day. He's out five to 12 weeks. And then the next day, Quentin Nelson 
comes out with the same foot injury, same timeline, five to 12 weeks. So those are two big pieces of an offense that we already were not very high on. So as we look at what the Colts are going to be, what this division uh, is going to be, uh, how are we, you know, uh, taking this? Are the Colts just, are we, are they now like one of the, the worst teams in the league possibly? No, I wouldn't go that far, but you know, there are, so just from a betting perspective, when we talked about them, uh, cause I was looking yesterday, I actually tweeted it. Cause I was like, this is actually relevant, right? We, uh, we talked about that. We all like the Colts under and to not make the playoffs. Uh, it was on July 1st. And that, I think at that time, their win total was 10 and a half. It might've been juiced to the under. So it was probably closer to like 10.25 or something. But now I see it's sitting at nine and minus 140 on the under when you look at DraftKings. So it's really like, you know, closer to eight point, you know, eight or something. So like a big, pretty big jump, but probably a game and a half. And it's interesting because, you know, uh, they don't really have a backup quarterback. Who's a Jacob Beeson? They don't Jacob have anybody right now. Yeah. Sam Ellinger. So, I, I mean, Ellinger is like the ultimate gamer, man. He's like the Fitzpatrick gene. Well, watch him light up preseason because he can run the ball too and, <laughs> yeah. and everyone get really excited. But, um, you know, we, we were all skeptical once to begin with. So if they had even just a marginal quarterback, it wouldn't be that huge of a drop-off, uh, to be honest, because, you know, we don't think that highly of Wentz, but this the drop-off is going to be significant because none of these guys have any experience or any sort of, um, you know, uh, something that, to really um, – you know, put, put out there that we think, you know, is competent. So, and there's been a lot of talk about, you know, I saw some really smart people tweeting about Garoppolo and it just, none of that makes any sense at all. Um, First of all, it's not in Chris Ballard's DNA to make a complete panic move um, for a partial season. And, you know, like, to them, they're they're just gonna probably roll with somebody, maybe get somebody like a, a Brett Hundley now or off the street or trade. I mentioned you know a guy like Mitch Trubisky or Nick Mullins like that because you could get one of those guys for like a sixth, seventh round pick. So you're essentially giving up nothing, and at least gives you you know somebody with with some experience. I just don't think they're gonna make a make a play for a guy like Garoppolo. Give up a high, another high pick for just a you know partial a season that that could actually affect their long-term plans. I, I don't think that's something they want to do. So I think they're just going to roll with what they've got. I think Quentin Nelson's a bigger injury because I was already skeptical of the left tackle situation now that Costanzo uh, retired and they were really relying on Eric Fisher, who's coming off the torn Achilles and may not play till October and, you know, was a, was a solid uh, left tackle, but wasn't, you know, wasn't elite. So now you, you you've got a whole left tackle and a whole left guard without Nelson they're in trouble, and that's that's just a you know a big issue. I don't think they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. They still have a good defense, and they're still playing easy division. But the first seven eight games, as we talked about, is really tough. So um, if they come out, if they come those out opening five, four, those opening yeah, five are really brutal. Right. So anyway, I, I think that uh, I think that the the adjustment is probably right. They're they're more like a five hundred team right now. Um, I think you just kind of have to play it like that, and and you know. I think if you wanted to bet that under, it's probably too late, but, uh, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully that they, they don't have even more bad luck <laughs> in training again. They probably have to put everybody else in the, in the offensive line and bubble, bubble wrap uh, in order to preserve their season. 
Yeah, I mean, looking at, you know, some of the splits, especially you look at, like, Jonathan Taylor's splits last year. I mean, he was fourth in yards before contact on carries running to the left side of the offensive line last year. 37th in yards before contact uh, going anywhere on the right side. Uh, so definitely a big loss. I mean, you know, maybe Quentin Nelson, you know, he's, he's you know, the, the old Dave Gettleman hog molly is able to make that shorter on the return scale than Wentz is and be able to play. Well, you said, I mean, coming into the season with Sam Tevy, I don't know who's going to play left guard, whether it's, you know, Chris Reed or Joey Hunt. I don't know who they're going to move out there to play on that left guard side or uh, Jake Eldencramp. But uh, that left side of the line paired with an inexperienced quarterback now is going to be a nightmare. I mean, they open with Seattle. Their opening two games are at home at least, but um, it's rough, man. They're also opening five games are just absolutely a nightmare. This is a team that could definitely be 0-5 right out of the gates. uh, And then you're just – you're sunk at that point. Like there's really no way to get out of a hole. Like Carson Wentz isn't going to bring you back from the depths. Maybe you steal one, but it's, it's a dark place if you're a Colts fan. And then if you're, you know, from my neck of the woods, like a fantasy perspective, you know, Jonathan Taylor, we seen him last year kind of, you know, start the season slow though. Remember like through the, basically through halfway of last season, people were like comparing to like Trent Richardson. Uh, and there was a lot of like, it was, it was all negative. He ends up, then he ends up finishing the season third in rushing yards. He just has that monster, you know, back, back half of the season, really the last five games. Um, but you can't expect him to have positive game script. You know, Naheem Hines is going to operate that pass catching role. Uh, that opening schedule is just such a nightmare. Um, but, you know, big 10,000 foot view. I still think he'll be fine. There's really not a lot of movement. I didn't really knock him down a, a ton. Um, but these pass catchers too are going to be slow out of the gates. A lot of people are counting on like a guy like Michael Pittman to kind of break out. Uh, now what kind of opportunities are going to have Paris Campbell? These guys were all flyers. Now they're, we just don't know what kind of quarterback play we're going to get. But Brett Hundley ends up starting by default because he's the only guy with experience. Do they have Easton start? Do they just go with Ellinger because he's got that hair on fire kind of gamer gene and kind of might keep you in a game like you shouldn't be in it. But uh, it, it's really hard to objectively – we already objectively didn't like this team and to just kind of go in and kind of paint like a rosy picture and kind of have a positive glass have full outlook is really tough to do right now. Yeah. Especially like it's just with no answer at quarterback. And I think we, you know, talked about the, the defense a little bit. Like we, we do like a lot of the players, but I mean, as we talked about in the last episode, when we talked about them a lot, there were so many turnovers that's you know bound to regress. So if this defense is like just average, have an offense that can potentially be you know quite bad. Like I said, even if you know I didn't completely mean it by like one of the worst teams in the league, but you start zero and five, it's hard to get out. No matter you know how good the the actual team is. So I think that's just the situation there. When you look at what they have at quarterback, they're going to roll with Jacob Eason, who you know was not a great prospect uh, coming out. He at Washington, he was like fairly good in the short game um, on short passes. He, you know, apparently has, you know, a strong ish arm, but that wasn't one of those things where he was, you know, ripping balls accurately down the field. It, uh, it, that just it didn't come out in production. And, and even Sam Ellinger is like the, the same kind of thing. Like no one really, uh, there's nothing there that says, you know, you can kind of, you know, get, and it's not even like there's, you know, this strong supporting cast, like the wide receivers, um, you know, T.Y. Hilton came on a little bit at the end of last year after showing that he wasn't that great um, in the beginning of the year. But I think that was kind of more of a, a Philip Rivers thing, too. Um, then, you know, we have no idea what really Michael Pittman is. We can expect maybe a, a breakout there, but still he hasn't proven anything. Paris Campbell, he has yet to play 
really any uh, significant time. Um, and even, you know, at his best at Ohio State, he was a guy that ran like three yard routes and then ran after the catch. So um, there, there's a lot of projecting on this Colts offense now. Um, and it's just, it's, it's something that it's, it's really hard to figure is going to go well for uh, a team that we, I think, believe has been, you know, fairly well run. I, I think we can, you know, kind of, talk about you know Chris Ballard a little bit this is like there's been so much hesitation for them since the Andrew Luck thing to like really go after a quarterback and I think it's it's kind of kind of coming back on them too like this this isn't even you know a hindsight thing I think we said this when the Carson Wentz trade happened like they're on a year where you know Matthew Stafford uh, was available they balked at at that price um but they still paid you know a, a hefty enough price for Carson Wentz they were hesitant to go uh into you know the rookie pool um they didn't want to make an aggressive uh, place there now they're stuck again in this place where it's this roster um that is you know kind of continuing to age they're going to have some of these guys now who are going to be into you know those second contracts and and getting more expensive um and and now they still don't really know what the quarterback is going to be even if Wentz does come back in the middle of the year then you have maybe eight games uh, at the most to view Wentz when you still have you know what you basically have to guarantee him for for next year also so this is this just puts the Colts uh in a really tough spot for 2021 and going into 2022 where I think they really have to you know, sit back and, and think about how they want to address the quarterback position. And, you know, you don't want to, you said Chris Ballard isn't a guy who's going to make a panic trade, but I think you, he needs to be someone who gets a little more aggressive to get that quarterback because in the NFL, you, you can't just sit back and wait for a quarterback. It just, that rarely happens. Um, and I think we're just kind of seeing what that has done to the Colts in the position that they, you know, unfortunately find themselves in. Yeah, I mean, we love Chris Ballard, I think, in general, but that's the one. He has been very conservative just in general um, um, on the offensive side of the ball. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think he kind of, he, I hopefully he doesn't, um, you know, um, compound the mistake that we think he might have made with Wentz. I didn't mind, like, if you wanted to go after Wentz for like a mid round pick or, you know, that's fine. But once you start talking about first round picks, even second round picks for this guy and pay him that money it just didn't seem feasible, but I think he just, I think they made that trade early in the off season because they were nervous that, you know, this is going to be musical chairs and where they were drafting, they just weren't going to be able to get the guy that they, or get any guy that they really wanted. So they just wanted to get somebody in there uh, just to be sure. So I think that they, that was kind of a panic move there. You know, they easily could have gotten Mac Jones where they're at the end of the day, like where they were sitting in the draft, maybe they didn't realize he would have dropped, but, they could have gotten above New England at what 16, wherever it was, Mac Jones was drafted to 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 get up there if they wanted to, and then sign like a guy like Nick Mullins or somebody like that, just a, as a, a veteran compliment. They could have done that, but they they didn't want to. They wanted to get, go after Wentz. So uh, anyway, it's a lot of talk about the Colts. Our Jags that we also talked about in that podcast, uh, their value is just plummeted from I think it was like nine to one or eight to one to win the division. Now it's down to like five and a half to one. So all of those odds have really fluctuated. Tennessee is a huge, going to be the huge favorite now. Uh, even if he thought there might be some regression overall with that roster and that team, they uh, especially defensively, they're they're really struggling. They're uh, they're still kind of the the leaders in that division. But uh, you know the Jags could make some noise here, and this this obviously helps their situation. So um, 
we'll see. We'll see if the Jags can can step up here. Yeah, I mean, there's it's, the AFC South is now. I'll use interesting, very, very lightly, but it, interesting to watch because <laughs> of of now what's going to happen. I think this is you know the more wide open than than it could have been. It not, I'm not sure if necessarily in, in a great way that's going to make us you know really want to watch it. I don't think it's appointment viewing, uh, but it is going to be uh, interesting to see how AI plays out as we go along. So, I mean, hopefully, you know, this is the, the worst of the, the injury uh, news from, from training camp. We're not going to see uh, many more, you know, huge injuries, which, um, well, which would be nice because we like seeing everyone healthy, even players were, you know, down on it. We were down on the Colts. We still would have liked to see uh, a healthy Colts team uh, going into the season. Um, Think of the AFC South, but enter week one, we're going to have Tyrod Taylor and Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley or Sam Ellinger, two of the four starting quarterbacks and a guy that's never made a start in Trevor Lawrence, but we're, we're high on him, so it's fine. But uh, just those, the fact that those are going to be two of the four starting quarterbacks entering week one of the season. It's incredible. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we we got through the <laughs> NFC East in 2020, so I think I, I think we can get through it. Because someone's gonna have to tell me how Houston wins the game. Eventually, they will. Listen, the Jets pulled two out last year, but man, this Houston roster—it's literally the movie Major League, like taking place in NFL form. Like they're only signing guys; they can only sign guys that like could only sign there to have like one last final shot. Uh, I mean, that Houston roster from top to bottom is just such uh, a joke. And if you check like our unit rankings in like the, that's in the sharp football preview book and some of the stuff's going on site. I mean, it bears fruit in those unit ranks, what we think of this roster. You just never know though. Like we, we say this every (laughs) year and there's all, there's going to be probably five or six coin flip games. Like really that's what it's going to come down to. And look with Tyrod Taylor, I don't think he's a good quarterback. I thought he was, he was terrible with the Browns the last time he really started games, but he doesn't turn the ball over. So like maybe there are situations where this is a really conservative game plan. You, you know, they, they cause a couple turnovers on defense. Maybe they get a special team, but you know, like there are situations that always occur now to get four or five of those situations. Now that's, that's a different story, but uh, you know, you just never know with some of these, these teams that look ahead and um, you know, now they've got, Look, they play the Colts in, you know, week six. Maybe the Colts don't have, um, you know, if they're without Nelson and, and and who knows what quarterback. Like, that that looks like potentially a, a winnable game. And they play the Jags twice, even though we think they're better. Like, they're still the Jags. And Do you see anyone else uh, a reason to bet any other team for worst record in the NFL? Like, would you? Are you taking any shots on anyone else? I have not. I mean, I, I think uh, – it's clearly them in, in the Lions. I don't think there's really much of a question, especially considering the Lions' schedule. Um, but I, I just think that it's really hard to go under four wins on any team, especially with a 17-game schedule. It's hard enough with a 16, but with a 17-game schedule, that gets it gets really, really dicey. And look, they play the Jets, and, and you just never know. Like there could mm-hmm. be what if uh, what if Russell Wilson, you know, tears his knee up late in the year, and they're they're playing Seattle now. They're playing Seattle at home. It's a totally si- different situation. So. 
these I mean, things. The Jets occur. beat the Rams last year. Anything we all like, we know anything right. can happen. <laughs> exactly. Like any, literally anything could happen, and teams overlook other teams, and so um, there could be you know tough scheduling spots. And look, they still have David Johnson. They still have uh, Brandon Cooks. We were talking about Nico Collins before this pod because of uh, Donovan Peoples Jones is really lighting up Browns training camp, and so Nico Collins could be another guy like that. Like there are some guys. Are it's not a it's not an expansion roster at least offensively. Now defensively, I think they're horrible, but I think offensively they can at least make some plays from time to time. It's the defense that I think is really, really going to be an issue. So yeah, I'm not confident about it, but you know, there'll be some, there'll be a couple of times where, where you're like, wait, what, what just happened here mm-hmm. uh, with, with Houston? So, uh, but yeah, the Houston's definitely them and the Lions are definitely the, uh, the leaders in the clubhouse for, for worse record, no doubt. Yeah. So if anyone you know, is going to be you know, betting on Houston and hoping for them to win games. Just uh, let us know. I will go on a 10 minute monologue uh, before that game talking about how good uh, Houston's opponent is, is during the season. Um, and then they will go into the next game and Houston will win because that is what happened right before that Jets Rams game. Um, <laughs> we did a podcast where I went on for like 10 minutes about all the cool things the Rams were doing, how good they were. Uh, and then they went out and lost to the Jets. So that's why you listen to this podcast, obviously. Listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Um, so, uh, it, Rich, you, you brought up our unit rankings. Uh, uh, a little bit. That segue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a pro segue there. There we go. See? See not, yeah, some of us need some preseason also. Um, so you brought up our, our unit rankings, and those uh, – if you have read the uh, Sharp Football Preview book, um, you have see, saw a, a new section in the book. We had some unit rankings. We had everybody uh, on the team here uh, ranked all of the the teams by position, um, and uh, we just kind of came up with with league wide league wide ranks. We're uh, running them on the site now this week. Uh, if you're listen to this now uh, we've been going through the offensive side of the ball so we're just going to run through some of uh, our takeaways from uh, our rankings on the offensive side of the ball uh, so when we did this we did you know each team but we did the whole position group you know there were some uh, places like you know quarterback where obviously the starting quarterback is going to heavily heavily weight what the whole room is um you know running back wide receiver depending on how the usage is there and not going to be a- as much so but this is again again the the whole uh group for each team so um as we go into this i think the int- i think one of the most interesting things is in our quarterback uh rankings we we didn't really have a lot of differences uh, maybe it's because you know we're talking to each other every week so we kind of you know know what we think about everybody, but no one was, you know, really, um, you know, that far away from anyone else uh, in how we uh, viewed some of these quarterbacks. I think we all pretty mm-hmm. much had the same, you know, the top of well, five or, or so. Not um, to interrupt you. There was one, because I'm, I'm looking at them now. There's just one, and Dan, you're involved. Okay. So you had by far the highest ranking for the Patriots, uh, I think you had the quarterback at uh, the ranking at 17 and the rest of us had them in kind of the mid, mid twenties, but I know you're a big Cam Newton fan, right? Like you, you, you're, you've always been on board with Cam Newton. You were defending him last year. So I'm assuming your status on, on Cam is the, is the reason why. Yes. Yeah. That was, yeah, that was definitely it. Um, 
I just, I, yeah, I like, if, yeah, if you've listened to this podcast at any point last year, or even some of the off season shows we've done, um, I think Cam was a lot better than what he, uh, he showed uh, last year, even in like the, per- some of the peripherals of what Cam was doing last year was better than, you know, the actual stats were. So I, I think a year in the system, um, another year, um, you know, a healthy off season because I think so much of, of the COVID and the injuries kind of played into what that that Patriots offense was going to be. So uh, as long as his arm has not completely fallen off, which uh, it, it doesn't uh, appear it has, uh, but I think there are always going to be concerns with that shoulder a little bit. But I think they're going to be more well schemed. They're going to have more of the middle of the field open, which just you know wasn't the case uh, last year. Now they have those tight ends, and I think there are you know checkdowns that they can get to. Um, I think there's going to be a little more open down the field. So I think yeah, the and short passing just, game killed them last year. Yeah, it, it was really bad. And they had to rely on that. That was the only thing they could do. And they weren't good at it. They weren't necessarily able to scheme it open. Um, there were a lot of guys who just couldn't get open there. Um, but you know, I brought this up when Cam had to push the ball, you know, past 10 yards down the line of scrimmage, um, he was, you know, fourth in completion percentage. Um, he was good there. They just, you know, didn't have the ability to do that very often. So I think that's going to be a slightly bigger part of uh, the Patriots playbook. And I think in this ranking as a whole, and I think maybe this is just a me thing, I had a little bit of a, a hard time separating the players from the scheme when uh, I was ranking what they would be like. And again, we ranked these for only 2021. Uh, this was not like a future, like a three-year or a five-year outlook. This was just for the 2021 season only. So, um, you know, especially when I look at quarterback, I just think that this scheme is going to help them uh, a, a little more. So I, I'm expecting much better uh, production there. And we're seeing, you know, Matt, that doesn't include, and we tried to make this full unit. So you probably, I probably should have ranked them a little bit higher than what I did because I think Mac Jones obviously does as much as we tore. I feel like Mac Jones got, uh, was the, um, you know, unfortunate beneficiary of uh, all that uh, the, the Shanahan talk and nobody saying, you know, thinking that they would ever trade up to, to take a guy like Mac Jones. Like he, he went from like completely, we thought could have been over drafted to, you know, maybe under drafted. I think where he, where he went is fine. So he's still a quality prospect um, was very accurate in college. So, you know, he does have some, you know, the skill set to, to be a good NFL quarterback. So, you know, I probably, I have him 27th. I probably should have uh, ranked them a little bit higher, maybe not to the, to the number you had at 17, but maybe, you know, a few spots higher for sure. Um, but I'm just not a huge cam guy. I just, we keep making excuses for him. And I know that, uh, you know, the, the surrounding talent was pretty bad last year, but then, you know, that people talk about it, Carolina it was a shoulder. It's like, there's always something. And at some point he's got to elevate his game here. He's getting older. So um, this is probably his last shot. So um, we'll see if he can hold off Mac Jones uh, in training camp, but uh, it's definitely a make or break season for him. Well, while starting though, uh, you know, for fantasy football, he had eight QB one performances last year uh, for a guy that only threw what eight touchdown passes. Uh, there's more QB one games than Baker Mayfield had Derek Carr had. So at least while he's starting early in the season, especially in DFS and stuff, there is a little value to squeeze out of cam while he's on the field. Yeah, I think so. And, and as I'm looking at the, the teams I, I ranked New England over, like, I'm not totally, you know, blown away by by making a case for really anyone over. I, I think it's fine for them to be you know a, about average I, I think I could expect that from from Cam Newton and and I think that would be 
uh, good for them uh, going forward. I think one of the things – I don't know if I want to have a Jared Goff discussion right now, but <laughs> – I don't think anyone does, which I think kind of goes into uh, the rankings there, which I think, uh, you know, just plays out into how we did that. Well, as an average, we had, um, you know, they came, the Lions came out 27th. And I think that's, that's kind of insane. I think we've gone too far on Jared Goff. He's, he's fine. Um, I just wanted to point that out. So as I've been, you know, putting these up and uh, Ryan McChrystal, who has uh, been on the show a couple of times, he's uh, doing uh, more for uh, us at Sharp Football Analysis. Now he did all the write-ups for this. And I've been, you know, putting those up uh, on the site. But as I saw, I remember just seeing the Lions at 27. I think we've just gone a little too far on Jared Goff. We don't have to go into much de- too much detail. Um, but I don't think the Lions have the 27th worst uh, quarterback Um you know, group for 2021. Yeah. I mean, it really comes down to, he's just so bad. Like we just think he's so reliant on golf or on golf on McVay uh, that we probably have a, a real negative slant towards him that it's not him. It's, it's the system. So that's probably what it is. I mean, he is when he does have a clean pocket, he's much better um, when you look at his numbers um, in general versus, you know, without a clean pocket. So you know, he was, uh, what, fourth in the NFL in adjusted completion percentage when he's kept clean. Um, but, you know, when, he, when he's facing pressure, it's like completely flipped. So really it's, you know, is that, again, is that him or is that the system? Is that um, everybody that he has around him? And, you know, we talked about this uh, separately a couple of days ago. The Lions have a really good offensive line. So yep. he actually might be better than what, you know, all of us think uh, as a whole uh, this season just because he's going to have that that you know, that time to, to make those, those clean pocket throws. Uh, they're in a dome, obviously. It's just, you need like perfect situations for them. And so that's what I think skews the, uh, the Jared Goff discussion is, you know, when you need everything perfect around you, uh, you know, are you really that good? But, um, you know, he's going to have that in certain situations with the Lions this year. But uh, I just, you know, there's a lot of good quarterbacks. I think that's what it is, is like once you start getting into the, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick categories and the Teddy Bridgewaters, like those guys don't make, you know, those guys can make plays and, and, you know, Bridgewater is not, you know, he's very accurate, short, like they do some things really well. So it's hard to really distinguish between um, all of those guys in that, in that ballpark kind of in the the twenties. So uh, I think we just, our perception is just the lines are going to be bad. Coaching staff is bad. <laughs> and he was so reliant on uh, McVeigh that uh, we just have a negative perception. But yeah, we, overall, we probably did rate him a little bit too low. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's move on to uh, uh, we'll just go through the, the top five real quick, which I don't think is going to be controversial, but just to get it out there. And you can read the, uh, these full rankings up on sharpfootballanalysis.com uh, for the quarterbacks we Kansas City, Green Bay, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Dallas as the top uh, five. Uh, quarterback group. So uh, I think that I don't know if we uh, need to go into much discussion there. So we can move on to running back, which I think was really interesting because I think we were kind of all over the place here looking at that everyone's rankings and it made for a very interesting, like aggregate average ranking, um, which yeah, you can look at I don't know. Some of these just like seem bad because of how 
how much they uh, they fluctuated. And I think Ryan wrote that up in, in a bunch of the write ups. Like this group, at, like went from you know fifth to seventeenth uh, in uh, in a ranking between uh, you know everyone uh, from the site who voted. So um, you know, I think we were. Uh, again, pretty consistent at the top with Cleveland, uh, number one. I think they went first. I think everyone who we had first in every one of these offensive rankings, at least, uh, was one across the board. So obviously Cleveland first, we had Minnesota second, New Orleans, Carolina, and uh, Indianapolis is interesting, which we ended up uh, having five, and it's going to be interesting to see how to play out. So I know like how I said before where um, I had a, a hard time separating uh, player from the scheme, I, I found that very hard uh, at running back, and I found that kind of skewed uh, some of my rankings here, where I might have been higher on guys who are okay but do really well in what they're asked to do uh, in a scheme instead of like just thinking about the running backs. I don't, I don't know if that's how you guys uh, felt at all. Yeah, and I did notice at the top one, uh, you know, Rich was really much lower on Baltimore. I think he had him sixteenth. And the rest of us had him in the top seven. Um, and that, again, that's tough because, again, scheme-wise, right, like always had a really good line. You know, Lamar helps that situation. But I, I think if you look at some of the, you know, some of the metrics, kind of the rushing yards over expected, um, you know, uh, Gus Edwards is, is actually pretty underrated, I think, as a running back. He's really good at the goal line. I think J.K. Dobbins, again, my uh, scarlet and gray colored uh, glasses here, uh, blinded. I think J.K. Dobbins is a really, really good running back. Um, broke off a bunch of big runs last year. Uh, so I think they have, I mean, I think it's the depth that's really good. I think it's, you know, they have a couple of good guys there. And I, you know, look, I just consider Lamar a running back. I know it's kind of cheating, but you know, he's, <laughs> he's a cheating. running back. In this that is it cheating. is cheating, but he's a running back. <laughs> he runs a ball. He's a, he's a thousand yard rusher. Let's go. Mm. But, uh, but anyway, curious, mm. Rich, do you, are you just down on, on guys like Dobbins and Edwards? Do you think it's a scheme thing more than, more than that? No, no, I, I really like Dobbins. Uh, just, you know, kind of, uh, you know, we, we have a limited sample of Dobbins in the NFL. I'm, I'm really high on Dobbins as well. Um, it's just when you kind of, as default versus some of the other teams I had higher, that they had a more proven player uh, leading their kind of unit at that, you know, at the, at their, as their bell cow and lead runner. And, um, you know, none of these guys are pass catchers, and part of that is, is, is scheme-induced too. Interesting enough, Gus Edwards is actually really bad near the goal line. Three of 15 uh, converting carries inside the five uh, for scores uh, for his career. Uh, that's why Dobbins kind of dominated that role last year. Um, we've seen, but, um, Edwards is kind of an interesting guy. He's, he, like, he just missed his boat. Like he would have been awesome in the NFL, like 15 years ago. Like he'd been such a dude we glommed onto, uh, but you know, doesn't catch passes. Uh, I do think a lot of his production is, is scheme induced a little bit too, but, uh, it just comes down to the, the guy, the, t- the teams that I had above them, I believe more in their lead guy and the, the production. I had this problem at receiver too. So like a team like Denver's receivers, I'm really high on the talent of the unit, but they're hard to elevate because it's still just a projection. Like a lot of these guys still haven't proved proven it yet. Um, so I was, uh, you know, I had them outside of my top 10 for the same reason. Um, but if Dobbins, you know, comes in and smashes, I mean, they're absolutely a team that I believe would just elevate and could, they could definitely outkick this rank and then climb, you know, uh, in the previous years. I think that's a good thing to look forward to too. There's a couple teams like that. I think that, you know, if Trey Sermon is better than he's expected, like the 49ers unit can, can be better. But some of those, those guys that I believe in, 
from a talent perspective that are leading backfields. And that's the other part of it too, is where we rank in these units, but what do we do when they have you know, like one dominant alpha and the rest of the guys are just kind of guys, you know, uh, we had this conversation with Dan earlier that shows up more in the re- receiver position. Like when you have a Devonte Adams and then just vagabonds after him, like how do you weight Devonte Adams's impact? You know uh, how do we accurately, you know, kind of, um, how do we assess them in the ranks? I think the Bills are a good team like that too. I was the lowest on the Bills receivers for the same reason like the Ravens. Uh, I think Stephon Diggs, elite wide receiver. And I think that if you plug in just about anyone else into the other roles in that Bills offense as a, as a baseline receiver talent, they would have got similar production out of all those guys. Uh, I don't think like Cole Beasley is really an, an above baseline player. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, 34-year-old receiver. Gabriel Davis was very Darius Slayton-like as a rookie. Uh, he scored touchdowns, but, you know, really wasn't a guy that was, you know, generating a lot on his own. Uh, so, I mean, I think that when you look at that, like how do we accurately say like this unit is like awesome and the, do we just wait digs? It's, it's a tricky process, man, going through this. Uh, like Dan said, it's, it, you know, what goes into the amount of work uh, and the ranking and the number you give these guys. And I think that's what comes into some of the variance for all of us is just that we all had kind of a slightly different process and trying to weigh out those different things. Yeah. And I mean, I, it, just in terms of Baltimore, um, I, I used because it, it is difficult. And so one metric I used, I looked at football outside as adjusted line yards. So essentially how much is your offensive line creating versus what your running backs in terms of running back mm-hmm. yards. Um, and so you look Baltimore's number one and run. And this is where I think Lamar probably is part of this, your running back yards. They're number one in the NFL, um, but they're eighth in adjusted line yards. So you're, they're kind of maximizing their, their, their rushing is well and above what the line is creating. And there's not many teams uh, like that. when you look at some of the, the guys at the top. So I think that plus, you know, the depth and again, me cheating with Lamar uh, got me to Baltimore <laughs> up there, but that was, that was one that, that st- stood out. I mean, I, I'm looking at my own rankings and kind of a self scouting. I, I definitely um, made a mistake here. I don't know if there was a, it must be user error. I had Washington at 25, which is a lot lower than everybody else. Um, I think that was similar to your J.K. Dobbins. Like, I like Antonio Gibson. I just still need more proof that he's that good. Um, I think uh, McKissick kind of gets probably a bump up because he just had so many receptions. But it's just, I mean, these were just like, you know, boring, you know, inefficient targets that he got from Alex Smith mm-hmm. last year. And I just don't really, those guys don't ex- excite me yet. Like I said, Gibson could elevate himself, but um, you know, I just thought they were okay. And, um, you know, maybe I should have ranked them a little bit higher, but, um, you know, they're not more than kind of 20th. Um, I think when you, when you kind of look at the, look at them overall. So that was one that I definitely was, was too high on. I'll say Dan, Dan was really low. Dan was by far the lowest on Denver. He had, he had them 29th. Um, the rest of us had them in the teens. I, I'm a big Javante Williams fan. So I probably was higher on him than uh, uh, in terms of the unit ranks. Than Dan the hates rest Mike of you Boone. Guys. Yeah, yeah it was, I thought it was that's what I'm saying. Mike Boone. Boone I like Mike Boone as your third guy, and I, you know, I don't know if Melvin Gordon. I mean, who knows? He'll probably make the team, but you know, he's still a veteran. He's good at the goal line. Again, I'm sure Rich will tell me he's not good at the goal line after I said that with with uh, with Gus Edwards. But Melvin Gordon is actually a solid player last year, man. He was better than I think of most like Javante Williams truthers for for fantasy don't want him to be but he was a good player last year yeah i mean i, I so i think overall they got good depth and i think javante williams mm-hmm. look i i had him i wrote an article that he's gonna win rookie of the year so i have to vote him high but uh, dan not a fan uh, i'd like to hear dan's perspective as to why he hates javante williams so much <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean he's you know fine the 
a rookie running back is, it, I mean, the one thing you like is he does break tackles, but uh, it's just that group as a whole doesn't do a lot for me, especially, you know, I, like Rich said, I guess Melvin Gordon was a, a little better than a lot of people gave him credit for uh, last year, but just the, the overall Melvin Gordon experience uh, is not something that, that really does it for me. Um, so <laughs> um, so a, a team that uh, is going to continually uh, have that like probably is at least 50% of, of what that backfield is going to be probably early in the season. I would be surprised. Um, so yeah, just the individual pieces there don't completely do anything. And if Javante Williams uh, ends up being, you know, as good as some people do believe, I'd be happy to, to move him up uh, the next time. So I, I don't know. It's just, you know, like with some of these guys, especially with, with a rookie like that is it, like you said, it's such a projection. So um, I think I skewed a little lower on some of those guys. Um, and I think it's, you know, really interesting when we go over, like if we go over to the wide receiver, you know, Rich was talking about the bills and, and maybe this is a place where I, you know, had a hard time separating the, the scheme from uh, the players because I, I just think the guys the Bills have fit the roles that they want them to play so well, which I think is why I'm higher on them. I don't necessarily think if there was, you know, a random group of wide receivers here, if they'd be able to fit uh, what they want to do so so well. Um, you know, where, where Beasley is uh, that, that slack guy who can have, you know, the highest um, – you know, positive play rate uh, in the league when he's, you know, working the slide guy like Gabriel Davis, who ends up being, you know, the deep guy, they turn John Brown into like this crazy uh, screen guy for um, this last year, at least. But I think they, they still have uh, these pieces where you have Isaiah McKenzie is um, this, the, the jet guy uh, and he can work the slot also. So I just think they have, you know, so many well-rounded guys and, and I'm not sure I think part of this is I don't think a lot of teams are able to go six deep um, asking to play those uh, type of roles. If I think if you had asked a, a lot of, um, you know, teams to play their sixth receiver as the jet guy, I don't think they would have uh, been able to pull out an Isaiah McKenzie. So I think that's where I skew a little bit on the bills there. Cause I have them second, uh, which I was uh, easily the, the highest uh, for them. Um but I, yeah, so I think that's where I fall in and that's, but I think the, the rest of our, um, you know, rankings are, aren't too controversial. We'll look at the top five. One interesting thing though, uh, we got Tampa at a one, Dallas at two, Kansas city at three, Minnesota at four and Seattle at five. I think you know, Minnesota and Seattle are really interesting because I think we heavily weighted how good those top two guys are, even if there's the not Chiefs a too. lot behind I mean, them. Yeah. The chiefs are the same, same thing. So you look at the rest of the chiefs roster outside you know behind Tyreek and Kelsey I mean if they were to suffer an injury I think Kelsey especially like I mean this there's not a lot behind those guys but those two guys are so damn good so good (laughs) (laughs) like arguably the best players at their positions in the NFL type good uh that they get that weight so yeah it's really tricky and like you brought up the, the the depth of the bills and uh, there's a couple of teams like that when you're doing this and you're just going through the process and you get to you're like, well, these top two guys are good. And you're just like, Oh, the rest of these guys, Oh boy. Uh, or something. And we also included tight ends as part of this process too, uh, yep. which also was a thing for the bills for me too, that dragged them down uh, a little bit. And I say dragged them down because I was the lowest, but I still, you know, I had them as above average unit. Um, but yeah, we you, the depth of wide receiver is still a problem in the league. Like there's, there's not a lot of teams that can run even three wide receivers deep, let alone four and five deep. Yeah. And the one, the one that stood out to me, 
Um, again, me and me and Rich were top eight with the Steelers, and Dan was at twentieth. And again, I think some of that is, um, you know, they don't have the elite guy, um, and they don't have a, a real tight end, to be honest. They have Eric Ebron and what uh, the, the the rookie from Penn State, second round pick. So, and then they got three guys that are just kind of like okay, like Claypool has the ability, has the upside, you know, to be. Uh, to kind of break out this year. Deontay Johnson just dropped every ball last year, even though he got a million targets. And Juju Smith-Schuster just has zero kind of big play potential. He's just a possession guy now. So I, I had him higher just because I thought that, you know, even though there's no elite guy, there's three, I mean, there's two, you know, for sure kind of solid players in, in Johnson and, and Juju. And then Claypool has kind of the breakout potential. And then we got James Washington, who Rich is labeled the best number four receiver in the NFL. So uh, we got a couple of a uh, couple guys there. So it's more about depth to me um, than anything. But uh, Dan, why do you hate the Steelers receiver so much? I'm just, I like picking on you and the guys that you hate. Uh, no, I, I like this. Um, <laughs> so I just, they're, they're fine. I think, um, <laughs> That's, I think, what it comes down to. I think, you know, Claypool has some things that he could continue uh, to develop. Um, I think when you look at what Juju Smith-Schuster did the last year, it was uh, not great. Um, I think if we're just going to sum it up, it was, you know, not fun to watch from the slot. And maybe it was just like so much of what watching the 2020 Steelers offense it did to me um, and how much I loathed that experience every time I had to do that. Um, so, and I know some of it is, you know, a lot of it is from the quarterback. And I think we can see that from uh, where we ranked uh, that quarterback room. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's the guys that, you know, have some talent, but it's, they're, they're fine. I think I, it doesn't go much deeper than that. Uh, for me, um, I think when you look at just the, the way they were not really able to create uh, explosive plays, um, and I know a lot of that was was in the deep ball. I you know wrote about that extensively. Um, you know, a lot of that was was on the quarterback, but I think they they also like weren't separating a lot. And like you said, there were there were the drops, and I know drops aren't really consistent uh, from year to year. But I think we've just seen that type of inconsistency from Deontay Johnson's game, where I the the actual production doesn't exactly meet the the talent that we're kind of expecting there. So um, for them, that is just kind of a, uh, I'm going to uh, wait until I see it uh, kind of thing. It's the, you know, the same thing with, with the Broncos uh, backfield where, um, you know, we think there is some talent that could break out, but uh, until they do, uh, I'm not going to be that high on them because I have guys that I can be irrationally high on, uh, on my own. And uh <laughs> The receiver is the one spot I think too. I'd want a couple back, like you know, just the way I feel now. Uh, looking at teams, you know, uh, just I would kind of want to move some teams up and down and do some jostling, kind of looking at some of the rankings. I think too. I think the one unit I think work all collectively low on that I think that could really outseed our expectations, and they could not because the quarterback play could just be bad. Is um, I think the Jets, the wide receiver unit, could be a lot better than we're giving them credit for. We all have them in the bottom eight. Uh, I think that that unit could be a lot, have a lot more talent than we're kind of giving it credit for right now. Well, I mean, is Corey Davis a number one? I mean, that's the question. You're, you're yeah, they have a bunch of twos, but I mean, yeah. I'm, I think that I'm, it's also my, well, you love Elijah Moore. 
Well, you love Hawaii. I think such... that's what it comes down to, right? <laughs> me, and Dan, that... uh, yeah, yeah. me and Dan had so much conviction on Elijah Moore, and that nothing outside uh, all training camp done is pump this pump him up. And so I just like I, I'm just oh, yeah, going he's the best receiver in the league right now. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we're, I, we're two left. Full steam ahead <laughs> on Elijah Moore. Yeah, no, um, there's definitely definitely uh, units like that that can. I think can spring up. I mean, um, I, I think Jacksonville, I think we underrated a little mm-hmm. bit. I, I mean, I think again, no elite guy, but uh, you know, Marvin Jones, really professional number two guy. DJ Chark is probably overcast. You know, he's not a number one, but he's, you know, could be uh, much better in number two role. And um, you know, Chenault, if he's, you know, kind of put in the right spot, like that, that's one, you know, we yeah, had Colin him Johnson's not a bad four guy either. Yeah. And now the problem is, again, they have zero tight end. So, you know, that, yes. that pushes that. And that was kind of the cherry on top for me is if you literally have a nothing at tight end, you, you, it's just hard for me yeah, to like put you up there. Um, I mean, I think the Raiders we under, I mean, I think Waller's Yeah, awesome. we, I think we underrated Waller's impact. Yeah. Waller's impact. He's so good. And, um, you know, I actually took him in a, I've done one draft. It was a Scott Fishbolt draft and I had Waller in the first round. Um, but he's just so damn good. And, you know, uh, we'll see what happens with rugs, but they do have, you know, uh, they do have guys there that, um, um, why am I blanking on the Clemson uh, slot receiver? Um, oh, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. <laughs> you know, he's not a stud, but he plays his role well, kind of like the, the Cole Beasley role. And so then, um, you know, Brian Edwards supposedly looks good in camp. So like they're, they're, they're a group that can elevate. I mean, we had Michael Thomas. I think we had these rankings before Michael Thomas's injury and we had them. Oh yeah. These are from early June. Yeah, so he – I mean, I think the Saints – I mean, yeah, we, the, we adjusted a little bit worst? with injury, but yeah. Are the Saints the worst wide receiving core in the NFL now? Like, really, like, I, I know Houston's bad, but Houston's got Brandon Cooks. He would be their number one. Uh, Houston's got Nico Collins, who's got some some talent, has got, you know, upside here. Like, yeah, are they QT, the worst? Anthony Miller, those are these guys that have made plays yeah. in the NFL. But we've – yeah, exactly. you're right. I mean, Traquan, Marcus Calloway, little Jordan Pumphrey, uh, Troutman has not really – you know, he's yeah. – it's not Troutman fair. won't take the vaccine, but, and he's, he's arguing about that. There's a lot of, like – Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's not Troutman. Case. Sorry, he's wrong guy. It was at Sheehan. I think it was, it was Adam, yeah, Adam Sheehan. Sheehan. About it. Yeah. Sorry. No, so I don't – I mean, they're just really uh, – it's a bad – that's a bad unit. So they might be the worst – the NFL, maybe, maybe, you know, Detroit's a little bit worse, but yeah, you're um, right though. Cause if we, you know, looking at some of the rankings and the teams that had one true alpha wide receiver, like a Packers or a, or a saints, we kind of gave those teams some value, but we did not apply that to Darren Waller. Right. Right. I just think, yeah, I think we, we, we underestimate the, the great tight end and we overestimate the great receiver maybe uh, on the roster, but another team, uh, I, I mean, think too, that, uh, me and TA were lower on, but Dan and Ryan were higher on that I think can really exceed expectations too is Washington. Uh, I know Dan's a big Diami Brown guy, but, you know, they've got Logan yep. Thomas. They've got Adam Humphreys. Uh, you know, Kelvin uh, Harmon showed a little bit in his rookie year before he tore his ACL last year. They have some depth, some young depth there that could be interesting. Steven Sims, you know, Gandy Golden. Uh, their team too, I think that could elevate uh, above the station where I had them. Yeah, and if we're going to, you know, talk about number one guys who should be lifting – uh, the rest of the units. I mean, that's Terry McLaurin. Uh, yeah. You know, that's what he had to do his first two years. And, and now there is more depth there with Samuel, with Brown, with Humphreys, uh, with, you know, uh, the rest of those guys. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that is uh, one that, that could potentially, you know, be you know, pretty deep. Um, and one that has uh, that 
that alpha receiver. I kind of think they they have a, a little bit of, of both worlds now. When over you know the past two years, it was you know, it was Terry McLaurin or, or nothing. Uh, he was kind of he was in the the Odell Beckham um, like early Giants career uh, plan where uh, if McLaurin isn't taking the slant seventy five yards, uh, there's there's nothing happening. Uh, but now they have a, a little more uh, going there, and you know a little better quarterback play. So I think we will see uh, that unit uh, get a little better in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and then just so people don't think that I'm completely blinded by uh, by bias, I had uh, Washington twenty seventh, and like the two best receivers are Ohio State guys. So let's not uh, let's just <laughs> I keep didn't, that yeah, in I didn't mind even mention Curtis on the road. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I got two Ohio State guys, and no, so I mean, I I um, some guys I respect that I've seen that do you know that really chart a lot of the route running. Um, has McLaren is like the like he's an elite guy, just kind of hidden. He's been hitting the last couple of years with such he's back quarterback play. So good, but you know, route running wise, he is like he's gonna be the he's gonna take that leap. And if Fitzpatrick can can connect this year, he can be really be you know kind of Pro Bowl level. So yeah, he's a guy who definitely has the chance to break out and you know make my rankings look really bad. Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, he had um, he was able to have that Washington offense. Last year, he had 1,100 yards on that Washington offense last year. And that Washington offense shouldn't have had 1,100 yards total. <laughs> um, so I think he's, he's a guy that one has had to do it by himself. One has had to, and two has had to have pretty poor quarterback play uh, for his first two years. I remember looking, um, you know, uh, when I was writing up some things for uh, Football Outsiders Almanac, we do uh, some of the player comments and McCorrin. Uh, I got to remember uh, exactly what this was, but he was like one of the few receivers uh, who has eclipsed 2000 total yards over his first, um, over his first two seasons. Um, so, uh, and he's like one of two guys uh, who was able to do that uh, being drafted in the third round or later. So it's like, he has been much better than I think a, uh, I think the the mass masses have been giving him credit for um, just because he's been hidden uh, on a Washington team that has been bad with, with bad quarterback play. So uh, if we're just looking for like a number one breakout type of guy, I think McCorn is going mm-hmm. to be, could be a kind of guy if we're looking at these rankings next year, where regardless of the situation, he could be one of those guys that uh, is going to be lifting uh, receiving unit. Yeah. And I love uh, him. I'm, I'm super high in fantasy of above market and fantasy too. And just, yeah, I'm looking at it now and they're a team I'm looking, I'm like, yeah, they, they should be a little bit higher than I've got. I'm like them, the Raiders. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I would like to move the giants down. Uh, yeah. Maybe the dolphins are another team too. They could be a lot better they, because they run deep now and they've got separators now mixed in with clashers where they just had clashers last year and kind of guys moved around there, another team. So, I mean, a lot of interesting units on the pass catching side of the ball. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that Miami one is, is one we can, uh, I think that was probably one I'm looking that I was, you know, higher on because there's just guys that I like um, again. And it's, you know, a deep separation too. Like you said, the, the Will Fuller, uh, apparently Jalen Waddle has been all over the place uh, at 
uh, training camp. They've been using him on some screens. Uh, there was a clip that they had uh, getting him motioned into a staffed release uh, to get him a, a free release down the field. Uh, so I have uh, slightly higher expectations for for what that uh, could be going into. And as I just wrote about uh, on the site, if you want to uh, read that, wrote about some uh, year two quarterbacks and what they could be doing to, to take a leap uh, and getting guys like that for Tua uh, opening up down the field when they just they, they just didn't have that um, last year is something that's going to be a, a big piece in what that offense is going to be like uh, this coming season. So um, I think that's, you know, we're pretty much the hit. I think all the, all the big things that we want to talk about, if you want to read these full rankings, uh, all of these by team are in the uh, 2021 uh, Sharp Football Preview book, uh, which you can still order now. There's plenty of time throughout the preseason to get you ready for uh, the season. You can read all of this on uh, on sharpfootballanalysis.com as we put up the individual unit rankings. Um, you can, uh, Rich, also, uh, if you're getting ready for your, for your fantasy, uh, so much uh, fantasy content is coming in from Rich and uh, uh, fantasy packages are, are now available, so uh, you can start getting ready for that. Worksheet uh, is is coming. It's we're we're getting there. Oh, it is. Um, <laughs> um. <laughs>